Welcome everybody in the Off the Ball Network fandom and beyond to a special late night Veterans Day edition when we're recording this of the Bunts and Bruises podcast. Yes, we're a day late because you know a couple issues have been on our usual recording day on Wednesdays that will be addressed here very momentarily. Uh, but you know there is no nothing in this world, ladies and gentlemen. No weather conditions. No amount of travel by plane, boat, steam engine. I don't care. We are going to be on once a week, every single week, unless we take a break. But aside from that, we will be a consistent force here. And of course, on the Off The Ball Network Twitter page and our YouTube channel as well. It is myself, Iceman, coming at you guys live, as always, with my partner in crime. You know, I call this man Mr. Nationwide because one week he'll be in Texas. One week he'll be in Ohio. The next week he's going to be in St. Louis. He may be in Alaska right now for all I know. My guy, the Don, James Barcia. James, where the heck are you, man? I'm actually in the great state of the Hoosier State, Indiana. I actually had the privilege of met, of meeting. I just had dinner with him. That's actually why we were a little late. Sorry, fans. But just had dinner with the one, the only, uh, Stu Brooking from Morning Brew with Stu. Shout out to uh, one of our friends of the show and network. But yeah, man. I'm in uh, Indiana. It's an interesting state, to say the least, for, uh, you know, uh, Jersey boy like myself. But other than that, man, I'm excited for today, Jer. We got a lot of transaction talk as you said earlier that's exactly what this episode is it's just gonna be a whole bunch of transactions it's a little slow on the baseball side so you know we're gonna talk more hockey and we're going we got a couple bruises other to talk about but we'll figure it out Jerry. regardless of that though man how was your day i heard you had a crazy day as well <laughs> yeah i had a crazy day so i uh i handled a couple personal things you know i had to handle some personal stuff in the morning you know very uh, gotta keep it x files you know zero dark 30 on some of the news right now uh, but I also, for lunch, me and two friends of mine, we went out for a early birthday dinner for one of my friends because he has a hectic schedule. We all have hectic schedules, let's be honest, though. So we had to meet up early here for a birthday lunch for him. Uh, but it was a fun time for anyone that lives in NYC that watches us. Dallas Barbecue, oh, you got to go to it. You got to go to one of those places because, man, the, I, I'm still stuffed, James. I ate it over five hours ago and I'm still stuffed. I, I, I told you before, air, I had like a super light dinner, like literally nothing because I'm still full from lunch. I could probably, I'll probably still be good by breakfast tomorrow morning. That's how, that's how good the food was. So, you know, we, I had a good time. You had a good time, but good eats boys is what is running this show. And I think that's probably going, that should be the episode title that you put on Apple podcasts and Spotify. But irregardless, like you said, it is a very transaction heavy episode of BNB today. We're going to be talking about some recent transactions in the world of sports, hockey being the biggest one. So James, I'm not going to beat around the bush any longer as i tend to do sometimes uh, for padding the stats uh, for runtime let's get straight to it jack eichel was finally traded a day or two after last week's uh, podcast was recorded like even when we change the date of recording james the big stuff always happens after we go it annoys me sometimes but nonetheless jack eichel was finally traded from that dumpster fire of an organization known as the buffalo sabers to the las vegas golden knights james's team <laughs> The <laughs> the trade as announced last week, it was Jack Eichel to the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for Peyton Krebs, Alex Tuck, a first round pick this year and a second round pick next year. Conditions on those picks, very simple conditions that I'll get into in a moment's time. Uh, but the man himself, Jack Eichel, is now going to Vegas. This gives Vegas the first ever true bona fide number one center they've had in franchise history. This is something that Vegas has been looking to address for a while. You know, the Vegas center core has always been fine. 
it's always been solid, but it's never been great. The center core was a big reason why they've lost each of the last two conference finals appearances they've made, particularly against Montreal. When you think about how Montreal ran with Nick Suzuki and Philippe Donault uh, back in the playoffs, those two uh, handling the top six w- uh, with a plum. And so Vegas has always needed help down the middle. And now they finally get it when he is back and healthy again, because Jack Eichel, I believe he has go- uh, undergone the procedure. Well, he's definitely undergone the pro- uh, procedure ever since he got traded to Vegas because they gave the okay for him and his team to do so, which is what a good organization does, um, allowing their guys to get treatment when they're hurt. Oh, what a concept. Gary Bettman's probably frowning about that. But, you know, the <laughs> the other way on this deal, the Buffalo Sabres. So they got back Peyton Krebs, a former first round pick of the Vegas Golden Knights. Another uh, first rounder that Vegas has essentially traded with him. We'll get into you know the the numbers on that in a moment here. Uh, but he gets traded along with Alex Tuck, a Buffalo born and bred boy who actually tweeted that it was a dream come true to play for the Buffalo Sabres. Now, good for him. I'm not going to make a joke about that. When you get to play for your hometown team, I think it's a very special thing that not everyone gets a chance to do. So, congrats to Alex Tuck that he's going to play in front of, in front of his friends and family on a very consistent basis now, essentially. And the first and second rounder, like I said, conditional based essentially. If Vegas first round pick this season is a top 10 pick, then the first rounder will, the next year's first rounder will belong to Buffalo. Vegas would keep this year's first rounder. And the second rounder would also be moved, uh, pushed back a year if Vegas's pick ends up in the top 10 this year. So it really all depends on how Vegas does. If their pick is 10 and above, they keep this year and each pick gets pushed back. If it's outside of the top 10, then Buffalo gets the picks as presently constituted. But Interesting package, to say the least. I will give my thoughts on it in a few moments here. But as always, I want to throw it to my guy, James. James, your reaction to this deal being a Vegas Golden Knights fan and, you know, with everything you've learned about the Eichel situation, because you, like many people that watch our show, have learned about this situation through, you know, all the updates that we've been talking about. What was your immediate reaction when you saw me share this to you? Because I'm I'm almost certain when you first saw this, it was me sharing you the news. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's clear this up. I told you first. I texted you. Oh, I oh. to Vegas. Yeah, let's clear oh. this up first. I was breaking the news here, all right? I was oh. always bombing you. But I was excited, obviously, because you always talk about the great talent Eichel is. And honestly, it's you're always happy when you see an all-star MVP caliber player get out of a bad franchise such as Buffalo. Not only for the fact that you, like, let's be honest, when a franchise is bad, Sometimes you like enjoying the fact they're bad. It's something about it. It's like it's not my team. Good thing it's that team over there. Keep that far away over there. But the fact that you got an MVP caliber player there, it's kind of it's like Mike Trout on the LA Angels. Man hasn't seen the playoffs in God knows how long, you know? And it's just it's what are we gonna do over there? You feel terrible, it's talent wasting away, is because you won't know that talent could be in the history books. So Aside from the fact that you got that talent outside into a great franchise, that's not even just me being biased, let's be honest, is a great franchise that got good structure over there. And they're like you said, Jerk, there were plenty already looking towards a Stanley Cup run, as always. Now you added their weakest part in Jack Eichel, who went healthy. He is arguably the best player in the league. Uh, you know, it's you can't it's just, well, you know what? Let me live my dream, Jerk. Right? This is my rant. But <laughs> regardless either way if not a best player you're having a top five guaranteed top 10 player and that was what they needed and that's going to take them that extra step because it was their defense was looking good sometimes it wasn't reliable in the playoffs but it was enough to hold them down and their offense was letting them down more often than not now hopefully when he comes up healthy you get a nice little power jump and you know who knows how far they could take it very excellent point you bring up there i gotta say 
So to to the Jack Eichel trade, uh, not the best player in the game. Connor McDavid would like to have a word with you, James. He says, "Hold my beer while he goes past four players and scores a goal." Um, but Jack Eichel, when healthy, has proven that he can be a top ten player in the game. His time in Buffalo, he's put up a eighty point season. Uh, once he went over eighty points, and then another one where he was very close to eighty. The uh, 2019-2020 season, he was on pace for a pretty good year, I believe. I think just under point per game, if, you know, immediate math off the top of my head isn't mistaken. And this season, he would have been fine if he had been healthy. The problem was, of course, he was getting hurt, and he was not going to play through injury. I think what you say is the biggest thing at the end of the day. When a guy like Jack Eichel leaves, it's almost going to be a rejuvenation for him. And I think now that he's finally able to get the procedure he wanted, now him and his team can make a more direct path to coming back. I think this is what makes the deal worth it for Vegas, uh, all things considered. Uh, I'm not going to argue in any way that it was a bad deal for Vegas. I think... What, what you gave up for what you could potentially get, which is the first line center for your franchise for a decade to come, you do that deal every single time. I do not care what the situation is. If you can get a bona fide, like this isn't questionable. This isn't a guy towards the end of his prime. This is a bona fide top 10 player in the game when healthy. Uh, top three, four at his position at the spot you've needed since your franchise first started. Like, no question, Vegas, this was the deal to make. What I want to get into now, James, is the idea that Buffalo, and did they get the most back? Because remember during the offseason, we always talked about this. I think when Logan was on uh, in one of the previous appearances he was here, we spoke uh, briefly about it, that Buffalo was wanting a haul for Jack Eichel, quote-unquote. They wanted at least four, I believe the wording was four assets back that were equivalent to first-round value you know, in, in a trade. And when you look at this deal, they obviously didn't get that. You get Peyton Krebs, who was a former first-round pick, right? So, boom, check off that list. Check that off the list. You got a first-round pick back. Check that off. You got a second-rounder back. Not a first-rounder, but with the way the NHL has worked and how all the first- and second-rounders are, how every draft pick is on the same entry-level contract of three years, that's not bad. And then you get Alex Tuck back, who he's performed well. You know, he's going to throw the body around. He's going to get you some goals but not exactly a first round caliber, you know, asset. So my question, James, and my consideration is this, is that with the Eichel trade happening, the moment it happened, you know, and this happens with all other big deals, is that everyone's going to start to talk about, you know, who else was involved. And allegedly Carolina and Calgary were involved in this deal in the latter stages of it, more so with the Calgary Flames. And I remember from the Calgary Flames deal that I saw briefly, it was Matthew Kachuk, if at least a one first round pick, if not two, but it was Kachuk, a first, a second, and maybe one more thing that I'm that it's escaping me off the top of my head what it was. But I really have to question Buffalo now because they wanted four first round assets back and they didn't necessarily get that. And when I look at the Calgary offer, Matthew Kachuk is the best player either team could have given. And yet they go with what Vegas had. So I really am curious about that. So uh, ignoring the Vegas part from it, James, do you think Buffalo did get the most they could get for Eichel back? Or are they going to live to, I don't want to say regret, but are they going to look back at this deal and think we could have gotten more from a guy of this talent? You know, that's a tricky question, Jerry, because when it comes to a moment like this where you have Eichel, who he's uh, sitting out of games because they're not allowing him to get the health uh, checks he needed, the surgery he needed to rehab from what the doctors he wanted. And then you, you never know because the longer you wait, the more the asset depreciates, no matter what. Because realistically, Eichel could have – it could have been time was helping his injury for real, and, you know, he could have just played like nothing. Or it's more time he's off the ice. So, yes, we could sit here and say they were 
could have gotten a better package. As you said, they were looking for, for uh, four first-round caliber uh, talent stock, however you want us to call it. But at the end of the day, were they really going to get it, or was that just them saying an unrealistic uh, price? And the longer you waited, if the season kept going on, I think we're going to see, yes, this probably was a, gr a good deal for them. Could they have gotten more? Possibly, but you take whatever deal you think is the best deal. You're not going to look back at it and go, oh, man, you, you don't cry over, uh, you know, spilt milk. Hindsight, would it look better? Yes, but at the end of the day, you got the deal you got, and you never know if that deal you took would have ended up still as a good deal. It's very tricky with these injured players, as I said, because it's just there's always a question mark. No matter what deal you take, if you took enough or if you didn't take enough, because as I said, it's almost like Bitcoin, Jerg. The price just fluctuates with those injured players so much. Nice reference right there by our financial guy, James Garcia. Um, you know, I, I definitely get the point. I think when it comes to injured players, it's always a tricky thing. And when it comes to players in general, when teams are trying to trade guys that they haven't necessarily done a good job of, you know, building them up, Philadelphia, then it becomes an issue of you're expecting too much back when you're not helping the situation. So I think at the end of the day, teams, I agree, teams sometimes do have to settle. But in the world of sports, it's always about maximizing value. And I'm very much a maximizing value kind of guy when it comes to looking at deals like this and how can we maximize our, our value the most. And while I do like, I personally actually like Peyton Krebs a lot. I think he's got really good potential for his NHL career. I'm a big fan. I was a big fan of him coming out of the draft. And I think it was a great get by Buffalo for their prospect system. The first round pick and the second round pick is nice. I, it's just when I hear Matthew Kachuk was being offered by the Calgary Flames, that makes me, you know, I got to raise my eyebrow there because I'm a big believer. Matthew Kachuk is a very talented player, a 25 plus goal score could even could probably score 30 goals on a consistent basis if with everything put together. And if I hear that Calgary was offering him, I need to kind of raise an eyebrow at Kevin Adams and the Buffalo, uh, the Buffalo Sabres GM, especially because James, like the reason why I think this is because this past summer, he actually had a pretty good off season. He was able to dump Rasmus Ristolainen and actually got a first round pick back in a deal for him, which no one would have expected. He was able to trade Sam Reinhardt for a first and a prospect, I believe, which again, it's great deal on that end. I want to say there were one or two more two, uh, yeah, one or two more deals that were made, but they're just escaping off the top of my head. But, all in all, Kevin Adams actually had a pretty good summer in terms of transactions. So when I think about the good deals he made recently, and Kevin Adams, a guy who a lot of people have been doubting as the GM of this team, saying that he's probably just the lame duck for the guy that's eventually going to overtake him. When he's making these good deals, it's like, okay, now, you know, this isn't bad. Does Buffalo have competence in the general manager position? And then he makes the Jack Eichel deal. It's like, oh, well, I'll be. But... I, I think you bring up a fair point, and I, I think that's where you're better. In, in well, what with. makes you – you got to ask yourself. I mean, these guys, realistically, they know more than we know. They see right. more things behind the scenes than we do. So what was it that he saw about that deal that he didn't like? Maybe the player just didn't fit the philosophy that they're trying to run. Maybe it just wasn't his type of player. Maybe it was just something he knew, hey, we're going to have to pay this guy sooner than this guy if we take him. And that just doesn't work with the plan I have set forward. So – it's a bunch of other reasons why, yes, this deal might have looked better, but if you have that one game plan, you got to stick to it. You know, even if, yes, an opportunity arises where you could get a player who overall might be better, but if you think you could get more of a ceiling out of these assets that you're grabbing, you got to go with that, I feel. And that's one way to look at it. And hey, you might be right because Matthew Kachuk, I believe, is due another contract extension a year or two from now. And Peyton Krebs, I believe, all three years on his entry level deal are still there, if not at least you know the last two. And you don't have to pay him six plus million dollars yet. 
Same with Alex Tuck. Alex Tuck is on a very manageable contract. So maybe that is the case. Although Buffalo's salary cap is not the issue because they have plenty of that. And they actually, they have to make another deal <laughs> aside from the Vegas one to actually get back to the cap floor. <laughs> so they wouldn't get penalized, funny enough. Uh, with the, I believe they made a trade with the New York Islanders, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, I I, I mean, I'm not going to question it. But also Kevin Adams is a guy who he deserves some questioning because while he did have a pretty good summer, at least I will grade him as, as having a, a pretty solid summer trade-wise. This is still a guy who has been criticized during his tenure for having this job. And I think I'll, I'll say this. We're definitely going to have to look back at this trade six months from now, one year from now, two years from now, et cetera, to really see what Buffalo got back in this deal, because now they just have to draft right. And draft is kind of hit or miss with them. Great. Okay. Let me say this. They've drafted talented players, right? They drafted Jack Eichel. They drafted Rasmus Dahlin. They drafted Sam Reinhardt. They've drafted these players. The problem is, is that everyone seems to be doing better when they leave Buffalo, man. So I don't know. Like it's a, it's a whole wait and see deal. And I can only imagine Rasmus Dahlin is counting the days when he can actually escape as well. So, you know, Rasmus Dahlin, you're next for your sake. Uh, but we're moving on from that, moving on from the hockey world where a very happy James has a nice shiny new toy that will be, you know, playing on the ice eventually for the Vegas Golden Knights. I believe the f- initial reports I've seen is at, definitely after All-Star break, Eichel will be playing when I'm not necessarily certain, but after then uh, he should be suiting up and I he's going to look if, just from the jersey edits. I know everyone gets edited, but Jack Eichel looks good in Vegas gold, man. He, like he looks he looks clean with the Vegas Golden Knight jerseys on him. Everybody looks clean in that jersey. It's a clean jersey. <laughs> it the really jersey is. There's you, not you wear the jersey. Oh, now that life quotes right there. Life quotes say, yeah, look, what do they say, bars? Look good, play good. You know, uh, look good, feel good, play good. There we go. Be good. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's bars yeah. philosophy. That's bars philosophy, philosophy when we do the show. That's why he's the looks and I'm, well, part of the brain. Um, But moving on from the NHL talk. You know, like like we kind of said at the top, not a lot of baseball. You know, the season just ended <laughs> and we've entertained some discussions, but nothing too concrete yet. We've had a couple interesting opt outs. Uh, Castellanos from the Cincinnati Reds opted out of his deal, which was expected when he put up an NL MVP candidate caliber season like he did this year. The Dodgers may or may not be keeping Clayton Kershaw. He could be, be hitting free agency for the first time. We'll see. Wait and see there, obviously. Uh, but James, you know, even though we don't have our bunts in the news this week, that doesn't mean that, you know, we're we're dry for news, so to speak, because, you know, we there's another place we could get our transactions from in there. Of course, Jer, we are a multi-talented show over here. People forget back in our roots, we were doing all four sports, but then we decided to focus it down a bit just to do the fans a service. But of course, here we are in our first baseball offseason and our young NHL season. So, you know, we got to sprinkle in everyone's favorite sport. And we're not talking about baseball. Sorry, but we are talking Great old American football. And, of course, that means we're talking a whole bunch of bruises. So, of course, let's just dive right into it. The biggest news, Jerk, it's – I don't even know where to start because we got two breaking stories. But let's go with the first one that broke because we thought we were going to be here talking about trade destinations, landing places. And news broke out. Here we are. Odell Beckham. It, he made the decision quicker than the show could appear. By the way, I'm on Central Time also. We didn't tell the fans this. There was some logistics planning that made this show end up later. But regardless, Odell Beckham ended up 4 p.m. my time, I believe. 5 p.m. your time. Could be wrong. But he is now part of the Los Angeles Rams. Jerg, what's your initial reaction to Odell being here? Yes, he is playing with overall better team. Do you think this is really the ideal spot for him? If so, why? And if so, why not? I was intrigued, right? Because 
I had convinced myself that he was going to go to Kansas City because the reports were that he was waiting till after Sunday to make his move, right? And when I thought about that, I thought about, oh, Kansas City is facing the Vegas Raiders this Sunday. Let's see one more good game out of Vegas, and Odell goes there. And I was thinking in my head, like, just imagining the offense. Tyree Kill is going to be streaking down the sideline. Travis Kelsey is going to be in the slot. And then you have OBJ in the intermediate routes of the field. You have now have three levels of the field, all with all-pro caliber players there. And Odell, I think Odell would have actually helped. Like we always say that guys go in and they would help Kansas City. I think Odell actually would have made a difference because the Kansas City offense has been struggling for the last like month at least. And it's because teams are starting to figure out if you play two safeties high on them, they're not going to take what the defense gives them. They're going to go for deep shots every time. That math changes when you add an Odell Beckham Jr. into the intermediate routes of the field. And now Tyreek Hill is getting the attention of both the safeties and the number one corner. Now it's going to be Odell with the number two corner and Travis Kelsey with a linebacker he could probably just blaze by. When all of that is considered, I truthfully believe that Odell would have made a difference in the Kansas City offense. I really do. But we'll never know that. Maybe in another universe, in a multiverse somewhere, you know, past the stars. But Now Odell could potentially make an impact on the Los Angeles Rams, and he is going to one of the most innovative minds in the NFL today. I think a lot of these innovative guys are on the West Coast, man. Kyle Shanahan in San Fran, and of course, the man, uh, Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona, his offense is working in the NFL now. It's more Kyler than anything, but we're not going to get into that. And now Sean McVay, you know, good old buddy Sean McVay running things in LA. A lot of people question him going into the season. We know, I personally know a couple of people that were like, is Sean McVay really that much of an offensive genius? Yes, he is. And if you need any more, you know, proof of that, let the, let the next five, six, seven weeks be the case where Matthew Stafford now, you know, he was so lost in Detroit. It was so cold there that Sean McVay said, come here, come here, come here. I'm not only going to give you a real team to play with. I'm not only going to be the best coach you've ever had. I'm going to give you Odell Beckham Jr. as well. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what he does. I think there's going to need to be an adjustment period. Odell's not going to drop 100 yards in his first game as a Ram because he needs to learn the Sean McVay offense. You know, he's going to have to get used to the fact that Cooper Cup has been the number one guy this season. And my God, Cooper Cup has been phenomenal so far this season. Offensive player of the year caliber season halfway through the year. But I think Odell in L.A. makes sense because I think some of the things I thought he could do for KC – he could potentially do for LA, but now Sean McVay is doing this. And Sean McVay is an offensive mastermind. You're telling me that Odell Beckham Jr. went from Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski. All due respect, Kevin Stefanski. I know he's a pretty good offensive mind, but he went from those two to Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay. That is the greatest birthday present of all time. Happy belated OBJ for that. Um, yeah, no, I, I it definitely shocked me. I was waiting for my food when it happened. So I was just like, oh. This is a, quite a thing. This is quite the appetizer before the main course, you know. But yeah, I I was shocked, but I think it's going to be a pretty good move for this LA team that I think it's the most obvious thing in the world, James, is that they're going all in. Oh, of course. I mean, right, just weeks prior to this trade, right before the deadline, you had, I mean, not trade, signing. It's so close to the deadline. I felt like trade. But uh, right weeks before the trade deadline, you had them trade for Von Miller as well. They're just, obviously, they're pushing all their chips in this year and trying to go for it. Uh, was it a good trade for the Rams? Yes, of course, because now you're adding a third talented wide receiver because, as you said, Cooper Cup is just dominating. He is arguably right now the best wide receiver in the NFL for this season. He, I'm pretty sure he's leading the league in receiving yards. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you have Rob Woods, who 
even in his Buffalo days, when he was there in the cold, just like Matthew Stafford was before he came to the Rams, Robert Woods was no joke. Then he came to the Rams and he finally got some eyes on him. And he's still playing great. Is he playing as great as he was a couple years ago? No, but that's because Matthew Stafford has taken a kin to Cooper Cup. So now you're telling me you have Rob Woods running your deep routes. You have Cooper Cup running whatever short intermediate route and OBJ doing the same thing. It's, you have a big play waiting to break out. And you have Daryl Henderson. Yes, for the Rams, this was a great trade. For OBJ personally, I don't think so. And honestly, that makes me start thinking the trade, not I said great. I want to say it was okay trade. I get why you made the trade. Obviously, talent-wise, you're improving your team. But it is such a road up. It's such a, like, not a roadblock, but you're throwing such a random in there that possibly you could be ruining the chemistry of your locker room. It's just it's scary. You've seen them ruin two franchises already. And, yes, a lot of people are saying it's not OBJ's fault this, and that's not OBJ's fault that. After a while, when is it his fault? You know, yes, we give Aaron Rodgers a lot of uh, we give Aaron Rodgers a lot of uh, leeway whenever he makes mistakes. But at the same time, you start holding him accountable. It's just he has something to show for it. OBJ hasn't had something to show for it in quite some time. So he brings up some. The main reason OBJ wanted to leave was for targets. He's not getting that there. Hands down. Stafford and Cooper Cup, they are the best buds ever right now. Cooper Cup is losing one, maybe two targets at most. Rob Woods, yes, he's going to lose maybe two, three. I don't even see him losing four because he's not even getting the same amount of targets like that himself. Van Jefferson is the one who's most likely going to lose all his targets, but at the same time, let's say that puts Odell at, what, five targets? Is that going to be enough for him to not cause a ruckus like he has been already for years? I'm not one buying that. I was on the same camp as you where I thought Kansas City was the best spot for him to be because, yes, you have Travis Kelsey and, yes, you have Tyreek Hill, but you don't have the same run game and they're just so much more pass-heavy. Also, we've witnessed when Tyreek Hill has that second wide receiver, a Sammy Watkins or whoever it may be across from him, better than McCole Hardman, who the only reason they drafted him was because they didn't think they were signing Tyreek Hill. So they tried copying Well, they him. thought they were going to lose Tyreek Hill. <laughs> exactly. But then they said, you know what, let's keep him. So – Regardless, you know, it's you need a good wide receiver across them. So I do agree with you. And I thought Vegas, forget the one more game. I thought they've shown enough with everything they've been through with uh, Henry Ruggs, John Gruden. You had the uh, people forget the whole pre, I forget it was beginning of season or the preseason where they threw the party and a couple guys had to uh, get the COVID fee, the penalty fee, and the, they had a quarantine as well. Oakland has a whole bunch of nonsense going on there right now. They're still – are they still tied for the uh, division? If not tied, they're second for the division. But regardless, with everything going down there, Derek Carr, let's be honest, Derek Carr is – he's having MVP-like season. He's the only reason they are still pushing along. And you got to play with the talents of Darren Waller, who is arguably, besides Travis Kelsey's number two uh, receiving tight end in my eyes. And you have – Hunter Renfro, where, yes, he ain't the greatest wide receiver, but that's a good number two, man. I love me some Hunter Renfro. I think there was plenty of other options. Green Bay, you name it. Uh, anywhere else, though, I feel like would have been a better option because he would have got the targets he was looking for. And I just believe that you got to hope that the leaders there, such as Avon Miller, but he's only been there for a couple seconds, just step up and tell Odell to shut up whenever he tries to start talking. That's the way I see it. So I'm going to bite back on the Odell is ruining these franchises thing. 
Look, there, there ain't no two bits about it. That The Giants ruined that situation. He carried the carcass of Eli Manning in his first three years in the league. We saw Eli Manning off the... No, 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 no. I, I, I don't care. No. I don't care. You put a little weight on the interview, Jared. I don't care. Why was Wheezy there? I don't care. Why was Wheezy... The people want to That's know. a good question. That's actually... No, we, we, we need to do a deep dive. I think we need an off-the-ball network. Uh, we can't use 30 for 30. 40 for 40 when it comes to that. But irregardless, uh, Eli Manning carcass had to be carried by obj you saw in the stats off the field eli manning's completion percentage passing yards passer rating every positive passing metric was down when obj was off the field you know what was up whenever odell beckham jr was not on the field interceptions like whenever eli was not throwing it to obj he looked like what he was becoming an aging quarterback and so odell had to deal with that there was no succession plan in New York. That's the one thing I'll always agree with you and Eli Manning. They screwed him over because they didn't have a real succession plan. They thought ending his streak for Geno Smith was the answer. I mean, my God, man. But there was none of that. We called him a issue off the field, despite the fact that there weren't like, compared to most guys, compared to Tyreek Hill, for example, or Henry Ruggs or Damon Arnett. He was doing nothing off the field to the level of these guys. He was just showing personality, which we kill athletes when they show personality. And then when they're cardboard cutouts, like certain other guys, we want them to show more. So what do we really want? Sports fans don't really know the answer to that. And then he goes to Cleveland and all the off field stuff disappears. You can't, so you can't get him on the off the field stuff. Now you can't complain about that because he did his job with limiting the off the field concerns, quote unquote, off the field concerns. And then it was on the field. And let's be real here. Baker Mayfield, all I think sometimes most Steven and the guys are a little bit too tough on Baker. I'll agree with this. Baker Mayfield throwing it to Odell Beckham Jr. was the equivalent of a five-year-old trying to throw a football across the field. Is the most useless thing. You know how it's going to end. You're just smiling and being nice because you hope it works out for the kid at the end of the day. Baker Mayfield throwing it to OBJ, the quarterback uh, rating for him was not good because he was not hitting Odell at all. He was not. Baker Mayfield throwing it to Odell Beckham Jr. It, it, it was one of the worst connections I've ever seen. All things considered, that on the field issue, that was not Odell's fault. That was Baker being an incomplete, specifically incomplete, not good quarterback when throwing it to him. But yet he had the connection with everyone else. Everyone wants to point to OBJ, but you look at OBJ, he did everything we asked him to. He limited the off the field stuff. He started being quiet. He tried to be more of a leader. He was okay with Jarvis Landry. And we crucify him for it because he's not performing on the field. Why? Because now he has to do with Baker Mayfield as his quarterback. So I'm not going to allow that to happen. And now he's going to go to the Rams. This is the best quarterback situation he's ever had. This is the best head coaching situation he's ever had. Yes, is Cooper Cup the number one guy? For sure. But Odell, like we keep saying he doesn't understand the fact. Yes, Odell Beckham Jr. will understand that Cooper Cup is the guy. And the whole I he wanted to leave for targets thing. I'm pretty sure that's a veil of I don't want to be I don't want Baker Mayfield throwing me the ball anymore. If Matthew Stafford only throws him the ball six times a game, you want to know why Odell is going to be cool with it? Because he might catch five of them because they're actually going to be thrown within him. So no, get out of here with that. You know he ruined Cleveland. He ruined the Giants thing. No, that's on those two organizations. Who was a better? Who's a better quarterback? Eli throwing Odell or Baker Mayfield? You're going to say Baker. 
So exactly my point. No, Eli, I would argue you, Eli. You you are full of it. I know you are. You yeah, know I would argue no, ability I would, wise, I would you know Eli. Baker's better. No, no, we're not. To, oh, you no, 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 no. We're not talking about ability. I just told you the I'm stats when Eli, when Eli was throwing when Eli was throwing to Baker. Who's a better quarterback? Baker when, Eli was throwing, when Eli was throwing it to OBJ, he looked better on the field. When Baker throws it to OBJ, he looked like a below-average quarterback, and that's not on Odell Beckham Jr. Because half How the time, not on Odell the, Beckham Jr. Because when Odell's off because the field, when you're throwing the ball better. five yards away from the guy, like what do you want him to do? Yeah, well, there were some catchable catch catch balls. Odell just didn't try and catch. Simple as that. It goes he, both ways. You got to take a hit. James, 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 James. Why is he if on you the get field? Seven with targets. A million, a million James, watch whatever James. it was called. His first game in Cleveland. None yeah, of the awesome that's field called style. Stuff. It was that's gone style. for like a couple of Beckham weeks, <laughs> and then they pop back up, jerk. Stop making excuses for the kid because when it happens again here, what's going to be the excuse then, huh? What's going to be the excuse? He's not going to complain because when he gets his only six targets there? a game, he's going to get five. Ca- Stop. Why are you focusing in on that? Why are you trying to deflect the conversation? Who brings a rapper to insult their starting quarterback to an interview? Why was Weezy there? Well, the answer to that is a skill position. Like that's the that's the normal answer. Let's be real here. Um, but well, probably Jalen Ramsey would have done that if he was still in Jacksonville, you know. But he probably would have had a case for that. Nonetheless, Odell in LA. I'm not saying he's gonna you know look like the way he did back in his rookie season for the rest of this year because I don't think half a season is enough. I think we vastly overestimate the amount of preparation it takes to understand a playbook, to understand concepts, etc. So I don't think that's gonna be fair. I'm not saying that. But I think Odell is going to find himself in a pretty good environment. Would I still have preferred Kansas City? Yes. And to your reason, I think it would have also benefited Tyreek Hill greatly because Nicole Hardman has been terrible. It's it's not been good there. But Odell to L.A. will work because we we keep pointing to him as a head case. Can you explain to me the worst thing he ever did aside from kicking and then proposing to a kicking net? If that's the worst thing we got on his resume, like why why are we always going at the athletes that the worst thing on their resume is pittance compared to some of these other guys? I don't want to hear a word from the same Giants organization where their kicker was committing domestic violence at home and he wrote about it in a journal that he was abusing his. I don't want to hear that from the Giants when they allowed that to happen. I don't want to hear the Cleveland Browns situation. I I don't. After how long? Like. Like, come on now. days too long, so but they give, caught him. So, so don't give me the whole morals thing when your organization isn't exactly moral. And the Cleveland Browns and morality the last 20 morals. years. Let's be real. Let's be real here. But but no, we're, we're pointing out, like, we always point out off-the-field concerns with guys where their off-the-field concerns are 50-50 compared to everyone else. The worst See, thing we pinpoint on LeBron James is the decision. You know what the decision did? It raised $2.5 million bleeping dollars. Tell me the worst decision in your life, James. And did it raise $2.5 million for children? No? Okay. If you're telling me the worst off-the-field concern that Odell ever did was kick a kicking net. I t- like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Well, you know what I got to say to that, Jerk? What I think is it's it's crazy that uh, later that afternoon, actually, we had breaking news that Cam (laughs) got signed with the Carolina Panthers. And uh, we're going to stop bad-mouthing my New York Giants. And all right, no, uh, serious notes. All right, you do bring up some valid points, Jerk. I will agree. So back to where we were. Cam Newton signed with the Carolina Panthers uh, earlier this afternoon. Another guy with quote-unquote off the field troubles. Uh, honestly, I know. Here's the difference. Here's the difference between the two. I'm I not criticizing think... you, by the way, with that. I'm just saying, like, in general, okay. we throw that tag around say, way I, too much. I don't think Cam has off the field. He just has some attitude. But, you know, quarterbacks, have. You got, I like some attitude in my players. 
not OBJ amounts of attitude, but I like some attitude. But regardless, so Cam Newton signed back with the Panthers. It's funny because he's replacing his replacements, 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 something like that. I saw the meme. But regardless, Jerk, I think it's it's a good walk down the you know sunset. I don't think it's anything big. Wow, me personally, I think Cam is done. I love the guy, love the player. I hope he proves me wrong more than anything. I hope he shows it was just the COVID that held him back last year. But I got to say, from what I saw last year, even before the COVID, when people said he was looking hot, he wasn't looking too hot, in my opinion. He he was looking like a quarterback who his main thing was the run game and him being able to move outside the pocket. And he looked like a quarterback who his main game was that, and that's it. He took one too many hits, and now he's looking stiff. He's looking not as quick. He's looking like he has to second-guess some of his moves because – Maybe he doesn't want to get hit anymore after being hit for, what, 12-plus years now, maybe, I think it is. So I think it's a good swan song. I think the biggest thing about this is if Cam does – he doesn't have to do good. If he does average, maybe even slightly below average, he could possibly end up with another extra year in the contract. And I think – I personally think it's the last we've seen of Sam Darnold. I, unfortunately, was part of the Sam Darnold fan club. I was hoping he was going to prove uh, the Jets wrong and make them look stupid. And at first, for four games, it was looking like it. But the last, what is it now, five games, it is looking like the complete opposite. You could make the argument that it's the fractured scapula that he had that was messing with his throws. But you saw some of the throws he was making. Those were decision mistakes. Those weren't injury mistakes. So hopefully uh, Cam could bring a little spark into this team. You know, he is a local legend there, obviously. He's a former MVP, maybe he brings something to that locker room where they can make it work out. Plus, Matt Rule, you know, he has a running quarterback. Matt Rule is a guy where I, you give him something, I anything. You give, him, he'll, you give him scraps of bread, he'll make a meal out of it somehow, you know? So you hope that Matt Rule and Joe Brady could make this the second coming of Cam Newton. And honestly, it's the best weapons he's had in quite some time. If you get a healthy Christian McCaffrey, you get DJ Moore, you get Robbie Anderson. It's a good squad, man. I'm hoping he could do something with it. What are your thoughts? Do you think there's any chance of Cam actually not looking like his former self, but suitable enough to earn a second contract, if not with the Panthers, with another team? I think there's a chance. I equate this to Blake Griffin and the NBA with the Nets, that this is the veteran who came off a big contract and needs to prove himself now, and he needs to play at a decent enough level. I do think COVID had a little bit to do with his uh, decline in play with New England. I really do think it did. It's a case-by-case basis with guys. And I would argue not just COVID taking him off the field, affecting his body, taking away reps for him to learn that Patriots playbook more. You can study the playbook as much as you want, but being able to be on the field, at least even for practice, getting to practice the plays, getting to you know practice the commands, seeing the receivers running their routes, like in the formations, that's all so valuable that when you lose that, like it, it doesn't matter how much you read the playbook, seeing it is getting a feel for it. So I think Cam's New England tenure was, uh, last season was cut too short, and I don't think he ever got a fair chance last year. This year, I think Belichick, you know, kind of to what people were saying, cut Cam because he wanted to do him the favor of let Cam go out there and be able to just, you know, go somewhere else to potentially start. And it's taken a little bit, but now him in Carolina, I think there's a chance it could work. I find it ironic that he's going back to this team where the coach, it was the same coach that, you know, was there when he got cut. 
you know, when Matt Rule first came in, he had conversations with Luke Keekley. Luke Keekley retired. He had conversations with Cam Newton. Cam Newton was going to be released. Like it was the dismantling of the key pieces of the core that led the Carolina Panthers to that Super Bowl, you know, those years ago when Cam Newton was the MVP of the league. I don't think in any way, shape, or form he'll be back to that level. I think we're long gone from that because the years of abuse his body took because he was bigger, faster, stronger than everyone, and he was officiated differently. Let's call it as it is. He was officiated differently than any other quarterback. The hits that would draw penalties on Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, when Cam would get those hits, the referees were telling him, oh, but you're you're bigger than them. You should take those hits. You know, Stop crying. And that that's one of the many reasons why I hate NFL officials. One of the many reasons, you know, this past weekend included, uh, but we're not going to talk about that because I don't want the show to go over an hour and a half. Um, but I, I think it could work. I think Matt Rule is a solid offensive mind, but I think Joe Brady there helps. I think Cam Newton's definitely one of the more intriguing quarterbacks Joe Brady will have a chance to work with. He, his ability to still run, I think Cam can still run off a couple like 10, 15 yard carries here and there. Heck, if he's if his body's right, who who knows? He might run off like a thirty yard touchdown in, in one of these games. You know, that's a wait and see type of deal. Especially like with Christian McCaffrey there, uh, Christian McCaffrey there, you can get a little bit creative with the running formations. Like I think there's potential here that the Panthers can, like you said, I think it's a spark to the offense. It, it's going to make it a little bit more intriguing. They're not going to you know lay on the sword here and just let the season die. They they're going to compete. They're going to try for it. And I think it's something that they need to do. By the way, to the joke that you were referring to earlier, it's not just that you know, the whole replacement thing of just starting. The Panthers are currently paying Cam Newton's replacement. They're paying Cam Newton's replacement replacement. And now they're paying Cam Newton to replace his own replacement's replacement because they paid Teddy Bridgewater. Then they have to trade Teddy Bridgewater to Denver. They're still paying out some of that contract. Then they have to trade for Sam Darnold. They exercise the fifth-year option on him. So they're currently paying him, but this isn't the fifth-year option. Let me clarify that. They're paying him this year, the last year of his rookie deal. And now they're paying Cam Newton to take over for Sam Darnold, who took over for Brady, Teddy Bridgewater, who took over for Cam Newton. So everyone's getting money in Carolina. And I mean, hey, good. I, I'm all for it. I'm all for guys getting their money. You know, for free, uh, not free market economy, but you know, yeah, it's it, it's a good thing to see guys, you know, getting, you know, getting greens in their uh, bank accounts. For, uh, that's for certain. Uh, but yeah, I think the Cam Newton situation overall, I think he could definitely make things interesting, at least, you know, make the Panthers more watchable. And hey, who knows, because their first game is going to be against the Arizona Cardinals, James. And that defense, you know, they're going to get a week of a uh, couple days of practice here now against a running quarterback. They're going to have to deal with a running quarterback and Kyler Murray. Maybe, you know, this was a heady play. Get the defense, you know, at least a little bit prepared for Kyler Murray and that Cardinals team on Sunday. You know, that that could be that could be some smart moves, you know, three three dimensional chess by Matt Rule and the team. But in reality, I don't think this will do anything for their playoff odds. I think, like you said, Cam is done being a full-time starter consistently. But I do think this is his audition. The next, however long Sam Darnold was projected to be out for, this is Cam's audition to extend his career to be able to be a backup quarterback, which he shouldn't have to do. He's a like he's better than half the backup quarterbacks in the league, just on a pure talent perspective. Like, let's be real here. Cam Newton shouldn't have to audition. But with the way this league works, sometimes guys that don't need to prove themselves apparently have to prove themselves more often than not. So that's the situation that we have here. You know, man, even if let's just say he doesn't, and let's say he just, he looks like he did last year, which is a poor quarterback. It's, it's just nice to see him finishing and closing the chapter there of his career in Carolina, no matter how it ends up. You just, it's, you like seeing stories like that. So speaking of how uh, ending chapters, that about just wraps it up for this week, jerk, you know, man, it's as always a pleasure. I'm going to tell folks, follow us, Twitter. Uh, I I was about to say Snapchat again, Jerry. That's like the fourth week in a row I'm about to say Snapchat. I think we we need to have a discussion after this, James, and your Snapchat addiction. I don't even have a Snapchat. That's what makes it worse. I don't even have one. 
But regardless, follow us on Apple, Spotify. It's a Spotify. It gets me all tangled. Apple, Spotify, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Bunsen Bruises Podcast, Bars Talks, uh, Jerk K40. Please follow us more on the Bunsen Bruises. We finally started getting those numbers up, but we need to get them up higher, baby. Uh, other than that, guys, you guys know exactly where to see us. Wednesday, so far, nothing on the books. You never know, though, Jerk. My schedule is always crazy. You might have to be the voice of God at some point soon. Who knows? <laughs> but regardless, we are booked and ready to go for next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Possibly have a guest. Who knows? But either way, until then, guys, we'll see you. Peace.